0: Hello, and happy Berktolds Day to our friends in Switzerland and Liechtenstein. My name is Sean, and today is Saturday, January 2nd, 2021. Thank you so much for joining me again today. I really appreciate this. Still workshopping the name. I think it's going to be this day in Wikipedia, but just want to make sure that I'm not going to get any cease and desist from Wikipedia saying like, hey, you can't use our name. So tentatively, this day in Wikipedia, who knows, Bye. January 7th, that could change, but we'll see. I hope everybody had a wonderful New Year's Day. I know mine was fun. I worked in the morning, and then I hung out with my wife and son. We watched the Disney Pixar movie Soul, which, let me just say, incredible movie. Highly recommend it if you haven't watched it. Um, but enough of that. Let's, uh, let's jump into the podcast today. So... As is normal, we are going to start with somebody who was born today, and I found a really interesting one that I just wanted to share. So, on this day, January 2nd in 1903, Tanaka Kane was born. You may be asking yourself, Sean, who is Tanaka Kane? Glad you asked. I will tell you. She is the oldest living person in the world. She is still alive. She is 117. Insane. She was born in the Fukuoka prefecture of Japan. And just reading about her life, I just found her so fascinating. She was born premature. You would think in 1903 that a premature birth would be a total death sentence, but it wasn't. She not only survived being born premature, but she's thrived. When she was born, Japan was going through a really interesting kind of cultural time. The bulk of her early childhood took place during the end of the Meiji period, which was a time of great change for the country. Country as a whole. Prior to that, Japan had been a pretty isolated, feudal country. They were not big on outsiders coming into their country and they pretty much just kind of tended to stay to themselves on the island. As the Meiji period went on, it changed into a country of technology. The Industrial Revolution really took hold and the culture in Japan as a whole started to change. So imagine that. When you were born, your country is still coming into a period of time where it's still a very isolated country, but it's in the process of changing. Like, I can't even imagine what that must have been like. She married her husband in 1922. Um, Her husband served in the Japanese military during World War II. One of her sons was also captured in World War II. As amazing as it is that she has lived so far to 117, the fact that her husband was 90 when he died in 1993 is also crazy to me. I mean, they were married... 71 years. Some people don't even live for 71 years. That's uh, wonderful to me. She credits her long life and her success in life to family, sleep, eating good food, and practicing math. The last one just really cracked me up because practicing math would probably cause me to die faster. But again, I just think when you think about living for 117 years in relatively good health, I mean, she was born at a time when cars, like, she probably didn't see a car until she was 20, probably older than that. She saw her country take part in a war, conquer the Pacific. She saw her country blasted with nuclear bombs, and then was a part of the rebuilding of Japan. And now, you know, Japan has become one of the biggest technological powerhouses in the world i mean it's really incredible when you think about how much your life would change in 117 years i mean i think about my my parents who are in their 60s and how much how much their lives have changed and how much the world has changed growing up and it's yeah it's it's mind-blowing to me as far as a death this one is a more recent one. This was only two years ago, but uh, this this one is uh, this one is one that's kind of uh, near and dear to my heart. So on January second, twenty nineteen, wrestling commentator Mean Gene Okerlund died. Okerlund was born on December nineteenth, nineteen forty two. I just want to preface this by saying I am a gigantic wrestling fan. I grew up with the voice of Mean Gene. Um, I grew up watching him interview the biggest names in wrestling. And Okerlund's career is really interesting because he's always just been involved in wrestling his whole life. It's wild. He first got involved in wrestling in in 1970 in the American Wrestling Association based out of Minneapolis. He was there for years until the um, the WWF, now the WWE, um, bought out all the territories. And then he came over to WWF in 1984. And he was with the company from 84 to 93. Everybody. Everybody that's watched wrestling. In fact, even people who haven't watched wrestling probably know who Mean Gene is. Um... After his passing, there's a a really interesting podcast called Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard, and they did a uh, Bruce did a Mean Gene retrospective after Mean Gene passed, and I listened to it and it was very funny. But one of the things that I really didn't know about and that made me laugh so hard was that Okerlund had a very blue sense of humor, which was kind of at odds with how he presented himself on TV because he was always the straight man in any sort of scenario, no matter how wacky, no matter how crazy things were going on around him, you would always just cut to, to Okerland, who would just be just straight faced. If you just go to YouTube and you type in mean gene, Oakland SummerSlam, 1989 uh, it's not work safe. It's not kids safe. It's just a little bit of swearing, but it is an incredibly funny thing where live on air, a, piece of the set falls down and it just catches Mean Jean just completely off guard and he just lets loose and the funny thing was was that apparently wasn't supposed to be aired like it was a pre-taped segment so they had done multiple takes of this and the wrong take got left in so when the truck realized what was going on they just cut really quickly to the announcers and the announcers were like oh that Mean Jean such a wacky guy but it's just, it's really interesting because, you know, like I said, Gene, his entire life was involved with wrestling. He was involved with the WWE up until 2018. His his last televised appearance was in uh, January of 2018. He was doing a 25th anniversary retrospective of Monday Night Raw. And he got one last interview on TV where he interviewed AJ Styles. Um. He died of kidney failure, uh, January of 2019. He was apparently a pretty heavy drinker and he had had multiple kidney transplants. And after a while, just everything kind of caught up to him. But, uh, he's a very funny guy. He's a very interesting guy. He has a very interesting career. Um, if you like wrestling at all, you already know everything about mean gene. And if you don't know anything about mean gene, I highly recommend going onto YouTube and looking up his bloopers. And finally, on this day in 1974, Richard Nixon signed the National Maximum Speed Law into speed limit law into effect. This was a federal law that set a United States-wide speed limit of 55 miles an hour. Initially, this was designed because of the 1973 oil crisis which was causing the cost of gas to spike up and the idea was that lowering the speed limit down to 55 miles an hour would help conserve gas gently lower the price of gas um one thing that i found that was really interesting while i was reading this article was that after the oil crisis was over the speed limit stayed into effect because the first year that the speed limit was in effect they actually saw fatalities traffic related fatalities decrease overall it was decided hey for public safety we should keep this going and it got to the point where you had some states like washington that actually lowered the speed limit from 55 to 50 um the national speed limit had very, very low compliance, which doesn't surprise me because even on a highway, 55 miles an hour just seems so absurdly slow. Um, there was a lot of attempts by car manufacturers to really emphasize 55 miles per hour. Um, in some older cars that came out during this period of time, the number 55 was heavily emphasized, like it might have had a box around it or it might have been bigger than all the rest of the numbers there was commercials that were like 55 miles an hour it's not just a good idea it's the law there was a lot of attempts at really trying to push the idea of this 55 mile an hour speed limit for 21 years the national speed limit was 55 miles per hour of course this law also inspired the Sammy Hagar classic i can't drive 55 it's a very funny song that was released 10 years after the law came out and 11 years before it was repealed. I I mean, I had no idea that the national speed limit was set 55 for so long. Now, I will say, as time went on and we got closer to 1995, there was a lot of states that were starting to... It it became okay to uh, raise the speed limit on rural roads Um, so you would start having more like rural highways that might have a faster speed limit than 55 you know maybe 60 65 whatever but i distinctly remember the first time i have a lot of family who lives in texas they live in corpus christi texas which is about as far south as you can get in texas and we were living in colorado at the time and i just remember the drive from colorado springs to corpus christi was torturous we are talking a 1000 mile and at 55 miles an hour you are looking at about an 18 and a half hour car ride now i remember after it got repelled we got down there and i just remember my dad going oh my god this is great we got down there so fast nowadays if you map quest the trip from colorado springs to corpus it's about 15 hours or so So raising the speed limit cut three and a half hours off that trip, which doesn't sound like a lot. But when you're cooped up in a car for a while, it is a lot. Thank you again for joining me on this journey today. I look forward to seeing you all on Sunday, January 3rd. Got some fun, some fun topics for January 3rd and Arrivederci.